welcome to Conversations About Life. Thank you, Tyler, for being a guest on my podcast. Oh, no, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Is this your first podcast you've been on? Yeah, I've watched plenty, but first one I've been on. You're a, so you're a podcast uh, listener? Yeah, I like to hear different views and, you know, your own views and just get different ideas and just, I kind of like to just watch people sometimes and see their reaction. So seeing a podcast, the YouTube ones, you get to actually, you know, see them while they're talking. So it's like nice to see the uh, interaction or the expressions or the way people think because I have a, I don't know the word for that, fascination, I guess, for the way people think sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, any particular, what uh, topics do you like to look into oh i mean honestly i really love conspiracy theories but you know some of those have come true over the past few years but then i really like politics and then obviously religion and just you know just the different thoughts of the landscape of the world that people think and the way they think about it but politics and religion a lot and some conspiracy theories i go down some rabbit holes but it's all for fun it's not like i'm you know i don't know how to like say it but like out there in the world and like, oh, I saw a little bit of that conspiracy theory right in front of my face. And it's like, oh, no, it's happening. You know, nothing like that. But I just like the fun stuff, you know, the out-of-the-box kind of things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, what conspiracy theories have come true that you, you were, anything in particular you're thinking of? Um, well, a lot of the political stuff that they have said for years, maybe I guess the past six or seven years, you know, just how... There's people running the world, and there's really not. But then it's like, well, there's tons of signs that there really is people running the world, like a group pe group of people, or some stuff about you know the big COVID stuff, or things about Wall Street, or I'm trying to think of some more specifics in particular. But like, can't think of any off the top of my head at the moment. But how they always used to say things. If you really want to get into it, like with Trump and how he was like, oh, he's supposed to be a big, bad dictator. And, you know, he was going to put people back in like concentration camps and this, this and that. And it's like, well, from my perspective and looking at it, he didn't and he hasn't. But then the side where that's in charge now is like, well, we're going to tax you more. We're going to take more of your stuff. We're going to put mandates out there. We're going to make you do this. And now they're getting us all into trouble. And now they're making it seem like, oh, excuse me, that you know, they're going to have to start enforcing more things. And then I've seen in other states that they've been enforcing more things. And it's like, hmm, which side is really the dictators? But, you know, but there are some conspiracy theories that I've watched in the past that I don't know if they are true, but they're just kind of fun to just find out the information and just, you know, just have an open mind through the world. Yeah. Okay, let's introduce you. So, um... I know you um, mm -hmm. through um, the men's discussion group, like right. the Bible discussion group, and through a mutual friend, mm -hmm. uh, Brandon, yep. who was on the podcast not long ago. Oh, nice. So how else would you introduce yourself? I know you're a teacher. Right. Just what else would you say? Yeah, so I'm a teacher. I've been doing this my fourth year now. I subbed for a few years before that, but like you said, my name's Tyler. I live in uh, Arnold, Missouri, and I... Go to church every Sunday, probably 99% of the time, unless it's like a holiday, like we're going camping or hunting or something. It's pretty much the only time I really miss church is if I'm camping or hunting, which is, I don't know, like two times a year. And then, um, you know, I like to, uh, I not like to, but I've been working in my church as a volunteer for like, I guess going on 10 years now, the youth group. So I've been doing that for 10 years and helping out. And, you know, we take them on events and conventions and things like that. Um, I like to work out. I like to hang out with my friends and, you know, just go explore places sometimes. We just go out and about and just see what's going on in the world. And, um, yeah, like, you know, typical kind of like like the sports, like everything. Grew up watching the Blues and the Cardinals and Rams. My uncle's a towel man. But, um for the blues but yeah i just like to hang out with my friends and family like like you said i've been i'm a teacher so i've been off for two weeks and been hanging out with my family a lot throughout the week so it's been it's been nice and what do you teach what subject so i'm a sixth grade homeroom teacher okay so i teach them sixth grade bible math and science and then seventh and eighth grade come to me for math and science okay and it's in a christian school yeah okay so, yep so with the science and um, biology and stuff, do you all teach um, 
How do you approach evolution and stuff like that? Well, it's actually funny you ask that because eighth grade just started that chapter. So it's my favorite chapter to teach them. And we have a very good book. It's We do the um, Abeka curriculum, mm-hmm. and it's very heavily uh, biblical, which is great because obviously we're in a Christian school, so we should be teaching that. But our book for them actually gives them arguments to... Um, be able to combat people who are going to like say, well, evolution's real. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. I remember from eighth grade or like, oh, God didn't create this or create that. It's like, well, hold on a minute. So that's kind of like what I was saying when I watch other podcasts and other shows, because you want to learn from the other side so you can be able to defend your side better. And this book actually teaches, you know, teaches about the flood. It teaches about the strata layers. It teaches about the fossils, and it actually doesn't just say like, oh, they found a fossil in this part of the world and, you know, this is where we get monkeys and evolution from because there is one part in the book. They found this monkey. And I want to say, I can't remember if it was Lucy or a different, because they name them, they give them like human names. And they don't tell you really in the public school, which I never knew until I actually read this book when I started working there because I wanted, you know, needed to learn the material. They f- and they try to say that this monkey was an evolution form to go to a human, but 50 yards away, they found human bones next to it. So it's like, how is this monkey evolu- evoluting, evolution to humans when humans existed at the exact same time? You know, so it gives us a lot of good information on how to combat the argument. Sometimes I think we're hearing a little bit. Of, let me just move this and see if it makes sense. I can put it in my pocket. Okay, I'm not sure if it's interfering or or not. Um, yeah, I don't hear anything now. Oh, okay, um, and is that as far as like, um, were you ever into evolution, or is this just kind of been your stance always? <clears throat> yeah, I because uh, I grew up Catholic because mm-hmm. my dad, his family, and my mom. You know, you have the old Italians and. They're down on the hill, and they go all the Catholic churches and everything, which is fine. But then about 21, we got introduced to the church I'm at now, so that was in like 08, so I've been there for like 15 years now. Hmm. I've always had a view that God's our creator. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never believed that we evolved from something, because I'm a very logical person. I like to just, I, I sometimes overanalyze things, but I try to keep it to myself. But like, I just can't understand how, we can come from monkeys because one thing they always say when something evolves, the new should be here and the old should be gone, but yet monkeys are still here. So just kind of like when, um, the book I've teached eighth graders, do you know, you know, the strata layers in the earth. So they find the first form on a bottom level, find the so-called evolved form, you know, a few layers above it, but then find the original form layers above that. So it's like, how did it apparently evolve, but then go back to what it was? So I've always had that thought when I was young, too, even if they taught it in school, which I can't really remember, honestly, in high school, how much they like drilled it into our brains. But I never thought we evolved from monkeys. So my stance has always been that God's been our creator, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Okay. And so you um, were introduced this, to this church where you're at. Mm-hmm. Is it, it's an Assembly of God church? Yes. Okay. How were you introduced to it? So my mom's friend, so I can't remember, if, I think my mom was working at Fox as a um, special ed assistant, but now she's, well, then she became like the building man uh, aide, and now she's a secretary. So she's been at the school for like 20 years, and she was in what's called the parents club, and one of the other parents and her just got to talking, and they hit it right off, and it also helped out my sister and her daughter were in the same grade. So when they would go to the parent club and they would be like in the same babysitting room while the meeting was going on, and then they were eventually in the, they found out they were in the same grade and everything, so on and so forth. So they became really, really good friends. So my mom's friend asked us if we went to church, and of course, you know, not trying to like say anything about any religion, but as Catholics, you know, we didn't go all the time. So she's like, you should come to our church. It's really cool. It's awesome. You actually learn things. You know, the pastor explains the Bible, you know, because when I was in the Catholic Church, it was pretty much like, 
sing a couple songs. They read one chapter from a from a book, and then they're like, "All right, go about your day." And I'm like, "Well, I didn't learn anything, but okay." So it was like, um, "Come check it out." So we just went and checked it out one day. And I mean, I don't think we checked it out one Sunday, and then we're like, "Ah," and then went back like months later. I think we went that Sunday, and we haven't stopped. Hmm. So we just. Like I said, I learned more in the two years, my first two years, than I did in my 18 years at Catholic Church. But yeah, that's how it was. They just introduced us and told us to come, and we did, and we've been going ever since. Yeah. yeah it's cool. nice. So um, was that when like Christianity became real to you, um, or before or after, like... You know, like growing up, you can kind of be culturally Christian, but mm-hmm. it's not like a personal relationship. Right. When, when did that start for you? Hmm. You know, I always felt like I had that even when I was young, but I guess just, you know, being young and not um, informed all the way, Mm -hmm. I guess I didn't know exactly what that meant. But yeah, I would say I had like the basis before going to that church, and I believe that I'm, yeah, God was God, like he's the creator. And probably a year or two going there, it it all kind of just like, I guess started clicking because it's like I knew it, but I didn't know it. But I was never like in the culture doing things like in high school or right out of high school where I was like, I don't know how to say like purposely and like not trying to be a good person or not, you know, follow God's rule, you know. And, you know, I did the basic normal kind of like, you know, I worked at a bar and restaurant. It was bar and grill. So, you know couple nights here and there after work you know you hang out with the friends but it's not like I was like it didn't become like my lifestyle but you know it's still wrong but then like probably like a year or two in and I started realizing everything better because I was getting taught I would say that the relationship actually clicked more realistically even though I think it was already there Mm -hmm. but yeah and then ever since then I'm just like I said been and I, I love that I work out with the youth group because like I get my Sunday morning and now I get this Monday with you guys and my own stuff. And then I go Wednesday with the kids and then we do events with them. So it's like I'm like constantly in church and I just, it's amazing. Hmm. You enjoy that, huh? Yeah, very much so. And how would you describe your faith tradition, you know, like as the Assembly of God denomination? Just how would you put that, um, you know, if, for other Christians to kind of understand, well, this is what it's all about for Assembly of God people. Hmm. So, more along the lines of like how we believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we believe obviously God's creator. Jesus was sent, and he performed his miracles and did his sermon on the mount, and you know he died and rose again, and he's washed our sins clean, and he rose and you know ascended back to heaven and he's in our hearts and the holy spirit is left with us and we're here and that my pastor talks a lot about how like really just spreading god's word like he he talks all the time like how when you're interacting with people it is difficult sometimes like especially if you're at the store and someone has an attitude and you may not have the best day either it doesn't give you the right to like be back that way to them that they are towards you. He's like, God died for us and he gives us his mercy and our grace. And we need to spread that to people because then you like the butterfly effect. Like you want to show that light and hopefully that light continues to spread. And that's kind of what it is when we're in church and he's, you know, telling us everything. But yeah, just like, I think we just got done going through the book with um, David and Goliath. Actually, I think we have like two more sections and how, um, he was persecuted for like 13 years hiding in a cave, but he never had revenge in his heart and he never went out to seek vengeance and he never went to go try to destroy the king and come back and be like, I'm taking over because God said I was going to be king, patiently waiting, taking his time. And even when one of the guys he was protecting in the fields, he was going to go kill him, but then his wife came and stopped him and he's like, don't have that on your heart because you're God's leader. That's kind of like what he says with us, like, we can't have these stains on our heart. We need to do our best to just patiently wait on God, listen to him, follow his direction, and kind of just live the best Christian life we can. But yeah, overall, it's just, you know, Jesus died for us. Holy Spirit's with us. Live that godly life. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's something I've been thinking about somewhat too. Um, like, uh, you know, you mentioned it as like spreading the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like that could be pretty powerful. Like I was just thinking about um, Psalm 1 you know, just earlier this morning about how, um, you know, the guy who meditates on God's mm-hmm. law or instruction day and night, and uh, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit and season and, and so forth, mm-hmm. you know? And like, so the word, it has a powerful effect on us when we just meditate on it, carry it with us, turn it over in our mind, thinking about it. And it seems like if it's not only kind of in our minds, but on our lips, mm-hmm. just some, you know, where we could kind of share it with others in either conversation or... Mm-hmm. right. And it's not so much like, um, I don't know, there's probably a way where it, it could be awkward and like, you know, hold on, give me five minutes for me to recite this chapter, you know, or something like yeah. that. But there's probably a way where it could be really just add to our conversations and we're just, uh, when it's a fitting word, just sharing uh, a line here or there from scripture. I mean, I've been blessed by that when others have done that for me. So nice, I'm just nice. thinking about, um, you know, I'm just of myself, like, how can I grow into that to be more of like sharing the word in that way, just for the benefit of those around me? Right. Um, so I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it's something that I'm wanting to grow toward, you know. No, I completely agree. And like you said, the from, would you say Solomon, where you're meditating day and night? Oh, that's uh, Psalm 1. Psalm yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Psalms. And... That's what it is, being informed. You know, just as well as I do, the Bible is a huge book. And trying to pull things out of thin air sometimes just doesn't work. But like you said, being ready on the heart and on the lips and being informed about the book, and then those things start clicking in your head. And I also believe along and with your actions, too, because there's been times I've been in situations where somebody, you know how the, the world is and the culture is, and then you go out somewhere like I said an example earlier, like you're at Walmart or something and somebody's just in a bad mood or they're just they're just a rude person. And you that doesn't really give you a right to be that way back to them. But you, you should actually use that opportunity to be patient with them and show them love and show them kindness and then help them and guide them through action and also with word, but sometimes they don't even want to hear you. So maybe if you're just with your actions. But I, I've been working on that too, like you said, trying to keep those verses in my head or keep informed, and when a situation arises, you're kind of ready to speak it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, I guess where are you headed in your life? Um, just what are you wanting the next, I don't know, 10 years to look like? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, that's a good question. I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, I would like to, probably like anybody else, advance your career as much as you can. And, you know, that eventually involves going back to school, which I'm not a huge fan of. I like, which is ironic because I like teaching it, but I don't like sitting and just, it's like, I already know this. And then, but they're like, well, you need these credentials. So you got to go through this, this, and this. But that's like anybody in any job. You have to go through certain levels to get to where you want. You know, and advance that and see where else it could take me for teaching and, you know, maybe expand a little bit, maybe more into higher education, teaching or something like that. But besides that, you know, I've been on a missions trip before and I would like to go on another one. And, you know, maybe if my life kind of entails going into more mission work, that'd be great, too, because I really enjoyed it, the one I went on. But then also being just keeping involved in my church, maybe if things open up, because the church has been kind of doing different things over the years because we had a huge my pastor took over the debt from the old pastor and he was not doing great things so we finally got that like all taken care of and you know things are opening up now we have more opportunities at church so who knows maybe being more involved in different ways there um obviously just like any other guy you know hopefully one day a wife and a family and kids and you know see where that takes me and 
you know, and maybe ultimately retirement somewhere down where it's warm, you know, but I know that's more than 10 years, but just as I'm thinking of the future, that's starting to come to me, but you know, I'm not a huge fan of the winter, but yeah, just working more on educating myself and getting more involved in the church and, you know, looking into more mission trip stuff and, you know, just keeping uh, the connection with the youth that I'm with to help grow the next generation as well. And yeah. Every once in a while you come down to this, so be careful. Of oh, sorry. sorry. Um, you know, you mentioned the church. Um, like, what's your favorite part of church? And like, as far as like the experience of church, what, how do you get the most out of it? Like, mm-hmm. is it through um, the actual church service or through the music or through like small groups or through some totally other way? Or what's your what nourishes you and grows you and edifies you the most as far as the way Christians interact with one another? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the real answer is all of it. And honestly, the real answer is with the youth. Okay. Because I love, because I just, I learned to play uh, bass this year. Hmm. My, there, we have a school of ministry. What do we call it? Yeah, that's a, and it's this one family and all her kids basically know how to play instruments. So they started asking other people, do you want to join? you want to play? And it's like, well, I don't know how. They're like, well, we'll teach you. And I'm like, oh, that's great. So it's been great having somebody be like, oh, you want to jump in and do this? We'll teach you. So I've been learning that. And I love worshiping. Like, I can't sing, but I can worship. And my choir director at church wants me to be in the choir. And I'm like, I can't sing. She's like, well, you can worship. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to sound bad while I'm up there. Because I love the music. I listen to Joy all the time. Hmm. But then my pastor, like I was saying, the way he just explains the sto- the stories, the information, the knowledge in the Bible, mm-hmm. and actually learning the lesson, learning what it meant in the story, and then how to apply it to our lives, because that's what we were saying, like when you're out in the world mm-hmm. and you're spreading it to people. And then, uh, yeah, our small groups, I work with the youth pastors, and then getting to hang out with them and kind of plan the year and then plan our events and get things in order. But honestly, one of the biggest is... because. I love the youth. I don't know where it came from. It just kind of naturally evolved. And that's why one reason why I think I teach middle school. And um, I just love giving them, like, you know, information on the Bible, information on Jesus, showing them that there's someone that cares for them, that's guiding them, that's there for them, that they know when they come to church, they're always going to see the youth leaders and me and, like, my sister and our other uh, leaders and that we're always going to be there at the events with them. They know that they can rely on us. They can talk to us. They feel comfortable with us, that they feel secure, and that they know that they're going to get love and attention, and that when we give them messages and we give them information, that they're want they're going to want to absorb it because they can trust us, and that they know that we're there to help them and protect them and guide them. And that's one of the best things is seeing this new generation just rising up because we we had like 30 40 kids at one time and then it went down to like 10 but you know a lot of that had to do with aging out high school college but then it's growing back again and we're about like at 25 now and it's just it's you know you're not gonna lie we go through seasons in our life where things go up and down and when we only had nine or 12 i'm not saying we put any less effort in i just think it was harder for the kids to get more involved because there wasn't as many and the more that come and come, they can connect with each other. And they're seeing them like, oh, we can't wait to go to convention. We can't wait to go to church camp. We can't wait to have our event. And then, you know, they're all texting and calling like, you come in Wednesday, you come in Wednesday. You know, we, you know, it's just good to see them want to come to these events and come to church, learn. Like, it's just so, um, I don't know if the right word is like, re- I don't want to say rewarding. But like fulfilling, I guess, that your involvement in your work is like paying off for their benefit, for their life, for their future, to see them getting grounded in God before they do go off to college. Because I'm sure you know as well as I know that all the stats when kids go off to college about losing their faith or not staying in their faith. But just seeing the kids on fire for God is just exhilarating. It's mm. it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um a lot of times when people talk about youth or teenagers, they have kind of like a bit of a negative mm-hmm. attitude toward them, but you seem to be pretty positive, yeah. which is cool. 
I don't know where it came from. It just naturally just happened, and I, I felt that's where the most comfortability was, and I had the most connection. So I just continued to stay on that path. Mm-hmm. And what are youth uh, like nowadays? Are they um, so? Are they really pretty interested? And are like are they growing? Can you see like um, just zeal for the Lord and stuff like that? Yeah, one hundred percent. Especially, um, I like to be not be on, but I like to like go on you know Twitter and stuff every now and then, and uh, Instagram, and I follow a lot of like Christian sites and stuff. And the way hearing just how like this generation coming up, it's like the most pro life generation in like fifty years, and it's the most God Christian based generation in the like 50 years or something like that i can't remember the exact like stat and quote but when we were going through this season where we were losing kids and losing kids and then finally it started rising up there was a handful of kids in those years maybe like 10 kids they didn't they only came like the boys only came because the girls were there and then they only came because they knew they could all get away from their parents. And then they all knew they could come and hang outside the church in our field and then do stuff they shouldn't have done. And we always try to make sure we stayed on top of that, regulated and like, don't be out here hanging around, get inside or don't, you know, whatever. But now seeing them come, like they come in and tell us conversations that they've had throughout the week about God, about what we learned, about what's coming up, about What are they going to do in the future when they go to college? Are they going to, we need to find a church. We need to find a group. We need to find fellow believers. And it's like, this is awesome. Like just seeing them talk about how they want to not only be with God in this moment, but also into their future. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's fantastic because like I said, with that stat with the college, they go off and then they lose their faith or don't stay in their faith. But now I hear and see kids like, we got to, find a group, we got to find a church, or we got to start something. And we had a couple kids start stuff at their school, their high school. So it's, it's, I've been seeing a big change, big shift. So I've been enjoying it. So what do you think draws young people away? Like for when they go to college, what is it that, you know, gets to them and draws them away? Do you think? Yeah. Um, it's that whole nature versus nurture thing. I think you're, I think I I almost some people think they're like separate and I I think they're separate to a point but I think they're more entailed than most people think I think more majority of people think they're separate but like we don't I mean there has been an epidemic of like f- single motherhood and fatherless homes in our country and when you don't have a faith of a good leader in the home yeah your mom or single dad or single mom might be sending you to church to hopefully oh hopefully they'll knock some sense into them or maybe they'll get on a better track but you know they don't actually have someone leading them it's almost like they're just getting dropped off for two hours so mom or dad doesn't have to deal with them because they're not staying as like a family unit and having a leader and a guide so i think some of those kids go to college and then other kids i think like i said earlier they just came because their friends were there or the girls were there or they could get away from the parents or whatever and they go off to college and even when they know all this information that they've been learning or seemingly been learning and just depends on how much effort they've been putting into learning it. You get into a different nature, but you're also being nurtured by your peers. And I'm sure you know, as well as I do, most college professors are like, I think 90% of all college professors lean on the left side of the political aisle. So that's away from our side and they're getting taught. And that's, I'm not, I think that's the one good thing, not good thing, but like the thing you have to learn about the context of the Bible. Because I know Jesus said, you know, turn the other cheek, be nice, be patient, be understanding, be accepting, be loving. But everybody either doesn't, they either don't teach it throughout the country in like youth groups or they don't hit it hard enough. But the next part of that learning lesson is, but tell the truth. Like you can be nice, loving, caring all you want but you still have to tell the truth. <clears throat> and I'm not saying tell it to be mean or rude, but you have to tell the truth. So when they go to college, you know, you have all these different groups and, you know, I don't want to get too political and, you know, whatever, but, you know, and we were, and we're taught, accept everyone, love everyone, accept them how they are, who they are, who they say they are, who they think they are. 
So you go in there, and then all of a sudden they start hanging out with these groups of people, and they go to these rallies, or they go to these events on college campuses, and everybody starts accepting people how they are when we know it's not true, or they start accepting people and just letting things go. And since they're wanting to, you know, you're in college or freshman, you want to fit in. That's one of the biggest things. Is And it's not even college, it's even your workplace as an adult. You want to fit in. So when you're trying to fit in, you kind of let things go that you probably shouldn't be letting go. But it's like, well, I was taught to be nice, kind, patient, and loving. It's like, yeah, but you're letting the truth go. So I think a lot of it has to do with being in the environment you're in along with the persuasion of your peers around you. And that's what's causing kids to kind of just not, I don't want to say step away from their faith, maybe just not holding on to it. Like instead of going to college and being like, oh, I need to find a church. They're like, oh, I'm going to try to fit in more with, like you said earlier, the culture. So so rather than it being like intellectual challenges, like for example, you know, we were talking about evolution earlier, mm-hmm. um, like them, like you're saying it's kind of more like just environment, pressure, peer pressure type of mm-hmm. lifestyle challenges that mainly would be uh, drawing people away, perhaps. Uh. Correct, yeah. Because I do think we have a... Now, the term evolution at its core just means like changes, but it doesn't mean like a fish evolved it changed into a pony or a horse or something, but it just means things change over time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I know you know that. So, like, when you go into college, we have a biological factor that we want to be part— I mean, and that's the thing, too, which people don't take in effect. We know through God we were built to have relationships. So when they do go into college, they're like, I want to be um, liked. I want to fit in. I don't want to be an outcast. I don't want to feel like I'm being left out. Because humans do have a hard time with being— left out. So if you can feel like you can fit in more with one group, especially the groups that's all screaming and yelling, love and tolerance and acceptance and everything like that. But then you got your side over here where you know it's like, well, my side does say, you know, this isn't really true, but it would offend them and I don't want to offend them. I want to be a part of the group. I want to go to the rallies and the football games and be part of the study club or whatever. So it's like you said, 100%. Uh, influence from the people around you. Yeah. Um, well, um, so why for you, Christianity, like what gives you confidence that it's, that you're, that it's not just kind of um this worldview that's just yours and your group, but rather it's like hits home with reality, you know? So why do I believe it's true? Yeah. Why do you believe it's true? Well, I can't, I can't buy the evolution argument for one because my sister, she's actually a high school biology teacher. She loves science. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we had, we've had conversations over the years about evolution and she's like, it's not true. It can't be true because she's done the science. She's taken the science. She's learned the science. And again, I'm a firm believer too. When something supposedly evolves, the old goes away and the new's here, but yet we find the old after the new in the strata layers of the fossils. Or um, I can't remember the one fish. It's a living, it's called a living fossil because they found it again. And it's like, well, I thought it evolved, thought it was done. So like the whole evolution, and I can't, I can't buy the concept of there was just ooze and it just multiplied and eventually turned into some amoeba, amoeba and then some fish and then it turned into a lizard. Then it like, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's just ridiculous. And then, um, trying to think of the other thing uh, on that line but then when you get into like different religions like oh i guess before that like i don't believe uh now can i believe like maybe a sense of the big bang where things like did god put things somewhere and then just you know he let things happen over time and you know maybe he took that big ball and spun it himself and you know kind of like we do with the top on the table and it just kind of like exploded sure but do I think when he did that, he knew exactly where everything was going? Yes, of course. Now, do I 
believe that the Big Bang is 100% true or 100% false? I don't know. You know, I'm not the one that was there. God was. But do I believe that he put the earth and the sun specifically where it needed to go for us to live? Yes, because it has to. Because I don't, I can't buy the concept either that all this just fell into place perfectly by itself. No creator. So um, I think there's, there's this um, saying, like, if you take a tape measure and you could spread it across the universe, and if we were off by, like, one inch, none of this would exist. Something like that. And it's like, exactly. Like, you're telling me all this fell within the, you know. But then when you go on, when you start comparing religions, I listened to this guy, um, Dr. Frank Turk, and he talks about Christianity versus, like, Hinduism and Islam and Buddha and all that. Our God is the only God who talks about wanting a relationship with nothing else except wanting a relationship. He just wants us to accept him. All the other religions, you have to do these certain actions or you have to, you know, you know, put yourself through certain things or whatever. And then we're the only religion where Jesus called and claimed himself as God. No other religion has a prophet that claimed themselves to be God. And then we're the only religion that our God not only came down, because I don't think there's any other religion where the God came down, but then if there was, our God is the only one that sacrificed himself, and then he's the only one that rose from the dead and beat death. So we got a religion with only our religion did this, only our God did this, only our God did this, only our God. And I mean, it's just, and Dr. Frank Turk says, God has to be outside of time, space, and matter, because if he was inside, he couldn't create it all because he would already been in with it, so he had to be outside of it to create all of it. And that's another good concept that I like too. So just just everything I read, like, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. Logical, logical, logical. So that's where to the finding in my heart of why it's all true. Okay. Yeah, it is pretty unique. Um, And what you were saying about um, about Jesus, Mm -hmm. he he makes it unique. Um, Mm -hmm. God being here with us and him dying for our sins rather than us um, needing to kind of overcome in our own, you know, merits and so forth to, to, to gain his, approval or you know or something along those lines yeah um so um you know you brought up you know as far as like i guess so i kind of have think of evolution somewhat as like a a side issue a bit because um rather than like an essential type of thing Mm -hmm. now did god create that's like essential but like, did evolution happen? Like, for example, I think of Timothy Keller, who recently passed away. But he, you know, he just accepted evolution pretty much as it was put out there. You yeah. know, um, and I guess one um, concern I have for like young people um, is like they might. Um, I'm going to make this really extreme. Just to make my case, you know, like let's say um, they were taught that you're supposed to, uh, like, you, you, that it's um, wrong to drink alcohol, for example. Mm-hmm. And maybe some Christians, I don't know, maybe some Christians, I'm sure, believe that, but I don't know how you are with your tradition, you know, Assembly of God and stuff like that. But um, let's say, um, and they, that was so fastened to Christianity for them. That when they um, get somewhere and like someone um, takes that particular thing and and just demolishes it, like kind of proves that um, it's it's not wrong to drink al- alcohol or something like that. That's probably a, like a poor example, but anyway, they that is so fastened to Christianity for them that the whole thing crumbles. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I don't know if there's like a, a better example, um, but like. Um, so you're speaking about like when somebody doesn't really believe in Christianity and they want to use outside sources, say like evolution, so they can justify to drink. No, no. Let's use evolution. Okay. okay. So, um, 
let's say um, someone, you know, a young person grows up and they're taught that, um, you know, evolution, the scientific, you know. It's true. Let's say they're taught that it's it's not true because um, the Bible says it's not true. Mm -hmm. And then that's connected to their Christianity so tightly that if someone convinces them of evolution, then their whole the whole thing crumbles for mm-hmm. them. And um, whereas it could be that just that part crumbles for them and maybe they gain that back, maybe they wrestle with that um, and they go throughout their life and they think, well, maybe things evolved. Well, you know, now I'm kind of thinking, no, they didn't evolve. Or now I'm kind of, you know, they're wrestling with yeah. it. But their Christianity, the core Christian, you know, message Christianity stays intact because that's not like so fastened to it mm-hmm. as to be like essential for it. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so sometimes I think that sometimes that we have different things and, um, and we kind of like give the impression to people that they are a central part of the Christianity. And there are the essentials. There are things that if you give them up, you can't really say you're a Christian anymore. Right. But yeah. there are other things like, well, Christians have thought different ways. You have to kind of wrestle with it. You have to figure it out. But no matter how you land here, the essentials can remain intact. And you don't have to give that True. up. You okay, know. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, like, evolution, and that's what's so crazy, is that even Darwin himself, that this whole thing started from, somebody hijacked his whole, like, theory, because he did have, at the beginning, evolution of being changed, because of at its core, the basis of evolution's definition is change, mm-hmm. but it's um, survival by adaptation, and it's not like a fish turned into a horse, so there's different things like with turtles and pocket mice and the dodo birds and a few other examples where because they live in different regions of the earth, they need to adapt to live there. So like their beak gets a little longer or the turtle's neck gets a little longer or the pocket mice survive in different uh, planes of the field because of dark and light lands in. Mm-hmm. The thing is, that's not even <clears throat> really evolution either because it's not like anything really changed. The only thing that changed was the dominant gene took over. The dominant gene will win because the dominant gene survives. So all the short-beaked birds died off faster because they couldn't eat. The long-necked turtles, the short-necks, died off faster because they couldn't reach the leaves to eat, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I don't think, like you said, I don't think that's like, I I look at it as a side too. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's, it's not something... I don't think anybody should use to make or break their faith, but the thing is the people on the other side use it for their faith of... Because even Dr. Frank said, he's like, even if you believe in science or religion or uh, evolution or whatever, that's your religion. Because by... Excuse me, sorry. Definition, I think uh, religion is just believing, having faith of believing in something. And people who believe in evolution, that's their religion. And they'll use that as, like you said as their essential because and i think a lot of it has to do with they don't want a creator they don't want a god they don't want to have to answer they don't want to be held liable they don't want to be accountable they don't want to feel like they sinned well what if you could say to someone like that who said who says um like you know i can't believe in god um and i can't take seriously the claims of Christianity because i'm totally convinced of evolution and what if it could be shown to them like well, if you're totally convinced of evolution, then then just be totally convinced of evolution, but consider these claims that um, you could hold alongside with your belief in evolution, um, that whether things evolved or not, that God created, and that he's in charge, and that you are um, guilty before him, and that you have to be saved, and that Jesus came and died for sinners, and he rose again, and that you can have life in his name, and just don't worry about evolution right now. Just consider this, and um, 
and that you and and don't let evolution be a blocker for you. I guess to try to, I guess at the core, just to try to kind of convince them that God is real and evolution isn't, and that we do have a creator and you should put your life in him. Um, no, I'm saying, um, like if they're saying evolution blocks the way for me, because if evolution is true, then none of the other could be true. Yeah. But if, if they can't be convinced that evolution is not true, if they can just, you let just them hang on to evolution, Mm. just say, don't worry about it. If you believe in evolution and you're convinced, hold on to that. But that doesn't, but there's Christians who believe that too. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't exclude, keep you from embracing Christianity. Yeah. Um, Well, a lot of the things that I mentioned, I think I would probably talk to them and tell them what I've said. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I think of things more logically and analyze things. Because like I said, I can't believe we came from a single cell organism and evolved into a fish and a lizard and a chicken over and over and over. And then we came from a chicken. We came from a lizard. We came from a horse. Like, that just, it doesn't make sense. And then on top of that, I know probably at the core, their whole basis is basing it in in Darwin. And if you can just kind of show them that Darwin's theory kind of crumbles, but then on top of that, Darwin's theory to begin with wasn't about a fish turning into a horse. It was about different animals changing in their environment from the same animal in a different environment, having a different change. But then even in his last book, I'm pretty sure... He even claimed himself that his evolution theory got hijacked and that it was not what he first went out to claim in his research. So probably there's a 98% chance guarantee that they believe evolution because they were taught Darwinism. And if you pretty much can break apart Darwinism, then they really don't have a foot to stand on. But if they still 100% want to believe that evolution is true... I would start referring to things that I know, like I said, with that eighth grade book that I'm teaching about first the fossils and then the strata layers and then things like that. And, you know, maybe let's say, I guess let's go both ways. If they do eventually turn and say like, okay, you're you're making so much sense. Like I can't, it won't hold water for me anymore. And then I'll just start talking to him about Jesus and like, we're all here because he created us. He created everything you see. Creation itself is a testament and evidence of God. And then that's when you would start having to start witnessing to them, evangelizing to them, and telling them about the Bible and about God. And hopefully, you know, God does the work. In, well, we know God is doing the work in their heart. Are they going to accept it, accept that change in their heart? And, you know, they're going to turn their life to Christ. But if they don't, and you go the other way, like you said, I would say 100% accept evolution. You know, you think you evolved from a monkey. Fantastic. Great. Now, like you said, even some Christians believe that. And can that stop somebody from bringing a good person? No, because I had a friend that I worked with. He didn't believe in God. He used to ask me questions about God all the time. But he just was like, okay, whatever, cool. He's like, I like learning about it. He's like, but I don't really believe it. I said, all right. But he was a great person, great guy. I mean, I could literally call him for anything. He was always, he was very nice, very gentleman. You know, he was caring. We had good conversations. He was a great person. But he's like, oh, God, if he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's not. I don't care. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I told him as much as I could when I worked with him. But it's like, like you said, can that stop them from being good? No. I believe they can still be a good person. But if that's what you believe, then hold on to it. Because there's a thing I saw, something on the slide, I can't remember like that. But it was like, yeah, if that's what you believe, then hold on to that and ride that to the end of your life and defend it for the rest of your life. Because there is a um, something that just came to my mind. Who was it? Um... I don't know. It just slipped my mind. But if I remember, I'll come back to it. But yeah, I think that's pretty much the conversation you'd have to have with them. Oh, I had a I had a guy I used to work with. And he didn't think there was God, but he thought there was a higher power. And I'm like, that's just an excuse just so you don't have to accept God, but you still don't think that you just die and turn in the sand, you know, or turn in the dirt and like, oh, my life's over. It has no meaning. You still want to give your life meaning, but you don't want to put it into one thing. You don't even want to put it into um, Buddha. You don't even want to put it into Muhammad, but like you're obviously not going to put it into God because I feel like some people would want to, if they're going to take that step, they go to like Buddha or Muhammad first because it's like, 
you know, they're the ones that are like peace and love and tranquility and whatever. And, you know, you don't have to worry about your sins. You don't have to worry about hell. You don't have to worry about this. I'm not saying all people like turn that way first, but if he's not even putting his faith in that, he's just putting it into like an overarching power in the universe. And he, I go, so you don't believe there's any real thing? Like you just think like there's just a power that just circulates the universe. He's like, yeah, I go, then why are you living the life you're living? Like, why do you live by the code of law? Why do you live by the rule of thumb? Why do you follow everything that we're following? Why aren't you just doing what you want to do? Like, if you believe like you're one with the universe, why aren't you just doing whatever you want that the universe is making you feel that you want to do? And then I kind of asked, I know this is probably not the greatest question to ask, but I said, then, you know, if you just feel like, and oh, he said, and I said, not this question, the next question was not the great, greatest one to ask, but I said, well, what do you think happens when you die? He's like, oh, I just think we go back into the universe, like our energy just goes back into the energy of the world, and I go, so do you think like you're just kind of like a soul? He's like, well, yeah, but I wouldn't call it a soul, I just call it a ball of energy. I said, okay, I go, what do you what, what do? You do? He's like, oh, you can do whatever you want, I said, so like you can fly to Pluto or fly to another galaxy. He's like, I mean, essentially, yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's a little out there. I go, then this is the question that's probably not the greatest of this. I go, then what are you waiting for? I'm like, why don't you just, I don't want to say it, but like, why don't you just off yourself and go be back one with the world and the energy and go fly to Pluto or fly to the sun? And he's like, well, it's kind of the same thing. Like if I take my own life, will I be rewarded with that ability? I said, oh, kind of like how God says it's against the, the law to kill ourselves for suicide. Because then we don't get, because you're not supposed to kill. And if you kill, you, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, you are just like mirroring everything Christianity and God is, but you just won't accept it and say it. So it's kind of like the evolution thing. That was his essential. Like you, like you were asking about the evolution. Right. Except that essential gets in the way of Christianity. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> Like he couldn't hang on to that and embrace Christianity at the same time. Yeah. Right, it's got to be given up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it was a it was an interesting conversation, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So, um, what has you know when you kind of came into the the church where you're at now? Um, were there any kind of particular people or books or anything that just made a big impact that just brought you in, made you felt welcome, made you want that? Or before or since, you know, what's impacted your life? Any particular people or experiences that really mm-hmm. kind of shaped you? Uh, people definitely. Now, when you say books, do you mean like books from the Bible or just any books? Oh, I kind of mean, yeah, just any books, yeah. Yeah, the, book, the whole book thing's hard because I don't read Okay. Like the way I should. I try to. I really have to force myself. I never, like my worst grades in school were all my English classes and literature classes because I just, I I don't know what it is. Like, and that's the one thing, like if I read, I'm going to read the Bible because I know I should. But like when it's like, oh, you should, like, uh, like we were saying earlier, Brandon, he goes to Barnes and Nobles all the time and he gets books and this and this and I, you know, skim through them when he gets it or I'm, if I'm at his place hanging, I kind of look through some, but. He's like, oh, you should really buy some books too. And I'm like, yeah, I really just don't want to waste money on them because I'm not going to read them because I don't read. But I've been trying probably the past like five to ten years. I have really been trying to make it more of a habit, more of a dedication, more like I need to. Because, you know, high school into like maybe 25 years of age, of course, you know, you think you know the world. You think you know everything. So I didn't read much. I I read what I had to to get through high school and college, you know. You had to, I did what I had to, but there's, there's once in a while, I'll find something interesting, but I don't know what it is. I just, my mom has the same issue. Like she has an issue with reading and reading books and it just kind of came into me and I was never really brought up to like, Hey, well, you should start reading or you should do this. So reading is hard because I don't have a desire for it, but if I do read, I'm going to read the Bible. But yeah, um, there's been a few things I've read. I can't really, and that's another thing. I have the hardest time remembering things from reading. I don't know why. 
And sometimes I can read like a page and then I'm like, all right, what was that? So I'll have to go through it again, which is fine because you should. But I definitely, you know, we have to deal with the Bible like we do on Mondays. We go, you know, spend an hour, two hours reading one chapter. But it's great because we have all that talk, the talking with the guys. So books is a little bit harder to answer about more changing. But the people, like I said, when we went to the Catholic Church, you know, you had your normal, hey, good morning, how are you? You know, great to see you. But I mean, we never, like, interacted. We never had conversations with people. We never, like, did things with people there. It was just like we just went and we went, and that was it. Here, I mean, this pe- this church, they're just so welcoming. They're inviting. They make you feel a part of the church. They make you feel like you belong. They always... And then, like, you'll have conversations before church with them. You'll have conversations after church with them. And then we throw, like, events for, like, different groups or just, like, the church in general. And we'll have, like, potlucks and we'll just, like, sit and talk and hang out. And, you know, then we'll do little um, servings at the church where we'll, like, fix something up or, like, do some plants or something. Or we'll have, like, a guy's. We just had, like, a couple months ago, we did, like, flat football. <clears throat> and we just sit and talk and hang out and... Hmm. Just enjoy each other's company. Mm-hmm. And then what one person, well, not one, but like obviously the pastor, like I've talked about earlier, but the youth pastor that I work with, he just was like, he asked for some volunteers. A couple people came, kind of other people kind of start dropping off because they didn't, like you said, what middle schoolers and high schoolers are like, ah, oh, I, I see, yeah, I want to help. But then they start getting involved and they're like, oh, maybe middle school, high schoolers aren't my thing. You know, the youth isn't my thing. But for me, it is. And he was just like, you know, if you want to be in this, let's be in it together. And he's like, I really need the help. And if you want to be by my side, you're more than welcome. And let's do that. And just, I guess, the inviting, the warmth, the connectivity, the conversations, the, you know, <laughs> yeah. And we might as well just put in a plug for your church. It's called People's Church in Arnold, yes, right? Yes, People's Church of Arnold, yep. In case yeah. anyone's oh, wanting to visit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a cool church. <laughs> I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, one thing I wanted to mention that I was going to talk with you about anyway, so okay. I might as well just do it here in case anybody else is interested, is um, for the past couple of years, I've been meeting with a group of three other people, so there's four of us, and um, we um, spend a little time focusing on the Word, an hour every week, and then um, we pray for each other, so it's just like, and a bunch of groups are doing this and have done it for like about the past 18 years. Wow. So this started um, back then with just two groups. Mm-hmm. And the idea is every couple of years, the groups break apart. Each person looks for a few other people. They make another group. So like one, a group of one becomes a group of four. Two oh, years nice. later, that group of four becomes a group of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it just... And um, <clears throat> so I've gone through the cycle twice. Oh, and nice. The groups start the first week of February, and it's kind of like, it's called, the whole thing's called Discipleship Journey, not that the name means anything, but, um, and it it's kind of on track, we try to stay, stay on track with the other groups, because there's a couple times, well, for one thing, uh, there is, like, support for the groups, right. like, there's a website called djourney.org, okay. and they have some resources, so, like, every fourth week, we normally use... Um, print out and hand out. And that's what we use for like our discussion time. And it just goes, it's written by various authors and it's just, anyway, um, it just goes through the basic doctrines of Christianity. Oh, nice. And it's really good. Um, but the, the, the big thing is just what the longevity does for a small group. If you meet in a small group um, for two years every week, you really get to know each other right. and very and get very comfortable. So the um, whatever you're using, there's three different tracks. There's one track that uses this particular book called Discipleship Essentials, and it's like a, a book that goes through the basics of Christianity, and it's got discussion questions. So I've done that twice. But there's another track that uses just um, Scripture. So there's like this reading plan of different parts of the Bible, with some helps for discussion. And nice. that's what I, I'd like to be using this time. But um, 
that's all just to kind of give a little bit of structure to the time together. So we're not like totally out there talking about football or this yeah. or that. We're kind of focused in on like, the word. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's what it's all about. And I've been talking with people and, um, like you're one of them. I mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's quite a few people who seem to be kind of interested. I don't know when it comes right down to it, February first week, how many people will really actually be say, "Hey, I'm on board." But right now, quite a few people. So I'm, what I'm figuring is that, well, we'll meet together, um, and then if there's like, um, and then if there's more than a group of four, we'll just break up into however many groups there are. Oh, you know, yeah, and. Before, we've been meeting a lot at Karsh's Grocery Store um, in the cafe area. Oh, But, okay. like, if there's a group of four, they're going to be that same group of four for two years. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of decide, well, I'd rather meet in so-and-so's living room. Or I'd rather meet at McDonald's. You know, they can right. figure that out themselves. Gotcha. But um, I'm thinking um, time-wise, like, either Saturday morning, Sunday evening, or Monday morning, would be like some times to at least start off with Mm -hmm. and, and then, um, but like my group sometimes because of work schedules, we've switched the day for a few weeks and we've switched back and stuff like that. So that would be just all up to the group. So that's what it's all about. And, um, if anyone out there is interested, you know, you can contact me through my website. Um, and anyway, I'm just letting you know about it too, and uh, we can talk more. But um, just to kind of wrap things up, then, um, you know, this is kind of putting you on the spot, but just whatever your thoughts are, if anything. Okay. What has God been teaching you lately? Um, a guy uh, asked me that not long ago, and I kind of appreciated the question, um, but it is a little bit like, okay, well, what is it? You know, I have to, you know, kind of causes a person to have to stop and think just a bit, but... You know, what's God doing in your life? How, what's he been teaching you lately? Just anything along those lines. To No, you're right. Because I think <clears throat> we get in habits, we get in grooves. And it's not that we're not letting God teach us things. I think we are going through what we think we should go through to continue to be a good person, to learn, you know, go read our Bible, go to church, go to our men's group. And... You know, I think that alone right there just teaches, you know, steadfastness because like you could just be like, I'm done. I don't want to go or I'm going to skip this week or yeah, I could help out that at the church event, but now nah, I don't want to or, oh, I was reading every week on Friday night, but now I'm not going, you know, like it, it's teaching and instilling and keeping your steadfastness and your dedication and your devotion strong because <clears throat> like you said, you got to stop and think a minute like, well, do I think God teaches us a lesson like every single day and every single week? No. I think he teaches us the core lessons and we carry those through our lives and we live them day in and day out. Do I think it takes a tragedy to be taught a lesson? No. I think just you go through things in your life. I think that some of the simplest ones are just like patience, understanding, um, empathy, and just like listening and being a good friend and being a good Christian and being there just like you know, Jesus didn't, <clears throat> like I was saying earlier, Jesus didn't have to come down here. Jesus didn't have to sacrifice himself. And then the woman at the well, you know, back in that day, one, men didn't talk to women in public like that. And then, you know, different Jews, Gentiles, and religions, they didn't talk to each other. So he comes down and sitting at, or he goes to the well and he just starts listening and talking. And that's another thing, just kind of like with us. We learn to do that with the people around us, or we should. So it's just kind of like, Day in and day out, I think we have a set of core lessons that we live, and we just try to be that person that God wants us to be, and we try to live that Christian life. But lately, I think, I don't know, right off the top of my head, but I think he's just taught me more to be just more engaged with him, especially since uh, Brandon invited me to the men's group, and I've been going more. Because, like you said, we get in ruts, I think, because we're just feeling like we're kind of doing the same thing week in and week out. Because we all know 90% of, 95% of life is monotonous. It's the same thing. It's Monday you have your thing. Tuesday you have your thing. Wednesday, it's just the same thing over and over. So when you get 
revitalized and re-energized and you meet new people and you go to new groups or you have new things coming up or you just try to take the next step of involving yourself more into the word or more into your church. I think just being more more focused, more engaged, I think you, you know, I've been having that feeling like you just, you need to really just maybe just take another step forward, you know, get engaged more, even though you've been engaged for like 10 years in a youth group, you know, what else can I do? What else more, you know, you just kind of helping because we have a new, a new thing that our pastor did this year. Our youth group is called Thrive. So he had came up with a segment called, uh, five and thrive so he was given people opportunities to take five minutes to share something on their heart ever throughout the whole year it could be a student it could be a leader it could be assistant it could be somebody and then that's something I, I haven't really done was like do too much of like speaking on stage but I speak to the kids before and after and then you know sometimes I go up and I've been like doing like the introductions and things but I had something on my heart a couple months back I shared it and then um there was something else I was talking to one of the kids but like basically kind of like that, like you said, what has he been showing me or teaching me more? It's just like, if there's something presented in front of you, have the courage to do it, you know, have the courage to step up, you know, get involved, do it, make that step, make that move. Cause he's there just trusting more too, that he's there with me, that I'm not just being a quiet, I guess a quiet Christian where you're like, you know, you're being nice, you're being kind, but it's like, no, if he wants me to do something, I'd be like, okay, he's with me. He's guiding me. Just step out and do it. Things like that. Okay. Yeah, cool. That's yeah. that sounds exciting. It, it it's different, <laughs> but it's been nice. It's been good. Well, thanks, Tyler, for oh, thank being you on the podcast. Yeah, this has been great. I enjoyed it. Thanks for inviting me. Mm-hmm.